Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. We are back. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Uh, after being hassled by Angus Bradley on the High Performance Podcast last week about Peak Speak not living up to his demands for free content, mm. here we are. Yeah. It's been... Uh how many weeks like a month something yeah, like that at, at least if not but you know i blame one of Sam. us runs a, one of us runs a gym empire and one of us just sits about waiting for the other guy to be ready so oh, it's more more, more about the travel lots of travel yeah, at no, the end of the sure. year as usual um yeah but we're back that's the main thing uh and i don't actually blame sam sam's a good guy we love sam <laughs> if you do love sam. are not aware of sam's instagram page he needs to tag himself when we post this episode so everyone can go look at his Halloween deadlift costume and it watch spectacular and watch him deadlifting and I wish he would pass uh, I wish he would post every time he passes out and hits his head on something because it seems to happen every second week uh, <laughs> but Sam Sam pulled a deadlift PB in a, in a crazy costume the other day at uh, at ethos down in Adelaide for their Halloween Christmas party whatever yeah <laughs> Halloween was good. dress was up really party. Good. Uh, I, I, I would be really curious to know the statistics of how many gyms run a night of the living deadlift, like, and come up with it independently enough to be like, well, this is a great idea. Night of the yeah. living deadlift. <laughs> like no one else has done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those ones that's been around for a while. And, uh, if you're doing it, it's probably not as original as you thought. Hmm. I'm but guessing I'm guessing you don't have this up on your screen yet, but I'm going to read it out. Gentlemen, all strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to in introduce their biggest and best ultimate hygiene bundle the platinum package 4.0 is now available in australia manscaped is the leader in below the waist grooming now trust them with the whole shebang join the six million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code peak speak the manscaped platinum package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all they designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside this platinum package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxes, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while traveling. Can we clarify, are you putting your penis in the bag or the Manscaped goods? 
I don't what? know. We'll never really know. Whatever you want. Exactly. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. It's 20% and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PEAKSPEAK. It's time you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Bam. And speaking of platinum packages, you should go and check out our good friends Prism Coffee Co. And use the code PEAKSPEAK there to save yourself some dollars on some delicious coffee. I got a fancy-ass delivery in my mailbox. Not really. On my doorstep. It's a big box of coffee. doesn't fit in the fucking mailbox. Anyway, um, yeah, I, that arrived yesterday, which was perfect timing for my ludicrously oversized grinder that I acquired from Jono, who owns Prism, uh, which is like a commercial-sized coffee grinder nice. that is bigger than my actual coffee machine and the spot it fits in in my kitchen. I have to take the like hopper thing off the top in order to put it away. So I have to pull it out and put it on my bench and use it and then put it away again. It's a huge pain in the ass, but totally worth it. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I popped open a bag of, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but it's Los Potrillos, which is an El Salvadorian single origin, rich chocolate and whiny fruit acidity. Delicious. Delightful. Fantastic. Nice. Get it in your face hole. So I'm not good at making coffee, but yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna give you a lesson when like I come up. The, retu- the, the return, day. the return to Australia and making coffee at home, is a very warm welcome, especially with Prism, because America sucks at coffee really Man, bad. I um, I actually saw a photo on Jordan's Instagram this morning of his coffee setup. Bougie oh. as fuck. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he pro. Had, man. Like, Dude, he's at like a level or two above me, even though I've got a commercial grinder in my house now, in case you didn't hear. Uh, my, it's still his fucking fancy ass. He's a scientist. Machine. Yeah, shit's all over my $200 sunbeam. Yeah, no, he's he's all over it. He's got those that, that converging thingamabob and the scales and everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I you, need do you, that's actually for our coffee lesson, which I'll give you at some point over the weekend. Uh, do you own a set of milligram scales? I don't. I need to get some. Acquire a set of milligram scales. They're yeah. very easy to acquire. If can not, you, I'll go hunting for a set on Wednesday for you while you're busy. Can you just get them from like Big soon. W or Kitchen Chops or? Sometimes not like a big W, uh, but something like a kitchen shop. Actually, you know, the best spot to get it in fucking surfers is... Uh, like off your tree kind of deal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> off your tree uh, will 100% have a variety of scales that go to milligrams. So just, yeah, pop past there when you're at the venue and you'll be sweet. Or while you're busy on Wednesday, Arvo, I'll go acquire a set for you. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure Excellent. It out. All right. Well, we're back. We're talking about powerlifting at some point. Um, Likely. I'll give Bar- RPL Worlds is this week. Yeah. So D- Daniel and I went to, to America. I went a little bit longer because I had some family stuff over there. Um, but we went to America for IPL Worlds to sit in the ref chair and, and get some world level refereeing experience. And uh, Daniel also competed. Uh, we're using their competition software this weekend instead of uh, open lifter which we've used in the past so we needed to get clued up on that as well yeah right um and just to meet is, a few, it, is it a proprietary one or is it like one that other feds use no it's the, it's theirs yeah yeah it's a proprietary yeah, right, okay. one um it's it's pretty cool like i'm sitting next to um all the scorecards pre-printed out with everyone's names and details and what they entered out like it yeah, does cool. all that for us um but there'll certainly be, be some there'll certainly be some kinks to work out uh in it just because we haven't used it before and 
yeah, why not? got four days worth of lifting to figure it out. It'll yeah, why not test it out on the biggest comp of the year? Uh, but the, the right, Americans are, are coming over and they're going to help us out with it anyway. So, um, yeah, cool. But yeah, it was it was really cool cool to go over there and, and hang out for a bit and uh, get to travel around a bit as well and check out some cool gyms. We went to uh, Corrupted Strength in Houston. We went to Destination Dallas, which is where uh, uh, Brian Shaw trains. Uh, no, sorry, not Destination Dallas. He trains at Redcon One Gym in, in Tennessee. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen that. So we went to that gym, a fucking amazing facility. Like, yeah, I've I've seen bits and pieces of it on Instagram before. It looks fucking crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. And then Destination Dallas after that, which was, again, amazing. And Branch Warren was there and the guy's massive, which was cool to see as well. Um, so, yeah, I've been, been jumping around a bit, which is why we haven't done this. But we're back now. And like you said, we've got IPL Worlds uh, this weekend. So, as you can imagine, uh, things are a little bit chaotic down here, up here, wherever you are, trying to work all that out. But... Uh, it's looking to be a good show. A few of the American lifters came through um, Zero Southside yesterday. Uh, oh, cool. They're, they're bringing the heat. There's some some pretty strong people coming yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. One of my uh, lifters, Lynn, in the, who's competing in Classic Raw's wraps, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so she's competing in the Classic Raw under 75s. And she was like, oh, I, I looked up the woman I'm competing against and I'm fucked. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't remember the name of her, but yeah woman in the 75s who looks strong as fuck so that'll be interesting yeah i think she dead looks like 260 um something like that she oh, she okay. and this is in the opens right lynn competes in opens even though she's a master yeah i think so yeah, yeah. um and lynn is not a weak person <laughs> as strong as hell no. No, no. <laughs> so yeah um yeah they're, they're definitely um, bringing the heat it's this such a are there a, many international lifters no no not that many uh a lot of them had a hard time getting visas. They either applied for the wrong visa um, or left the visa application process too late. Uh, I, I think Australia makes it quite hard to come into uh, for, for a lot of particular countries. So um, I, I don't actually yeah, know because I'm not I'm not the one running the competition. I don't I'm, I'm not sure of the numbers. I'm yeah, not sure enough. of who's coming from where. Um, I'm just helping out, and uh, obviously Zero is is donating equipment to run the competition so yeah how many lifters you yeah, got sweet. uh one, got two, three, four, five, six. yeah nice six so i've got uh ken in the 67 and a half on thursday um who's like this is his third sanctioned competition i think mm-hmm. uh then i've got uh nina lynn and wendy on friday uh, and then I got a couple of lifters competing Sunday, but unfortunately I won't be there for that. I'm flying home on Saturday so I can run my half marathon on Sunday mornings. So. Yeah, nice. Oh, well, let us know if they need yeah. a hand and we'll, we'll help them out. Yeah, yeah, I was going to talk to you about that separately. Yeah. Yes, they cool. will. Um, my, uh, Mike's one of them and Mike will be fine, but uh, Corinne, the woman in competing in the juniors in the morning, will probably need a bit of guidance. Yeah, nice. I, it just dawned on me as well that this is the first world championships for a powerlifting federation in australia since gpa worlds in 2014 yeah, yeah. and before that i don't think australia had run a world since like 1980 since ipf yeah, back in I, perth i don't think so either and, and that's what actually what i said to a few like some of my lifters i was like look 
you're not going to get an opportunity to compete in a world in Australia again anytime soon. At least it seems unlikely, given the last gap we had from a world's. Uh, so you may as well take the opportunity. Even if you go and get absolutely slaughtered and come last, it's an opportunity to compete on a world stage and um, and yeah. do it in a country where like you only have to fly an hour and a bit to get to Queensland as opposed to fly 12 hours into the middle of Eastern Europe and then catch six buses, a donkey, and you know, maybe an old tractor in order to get to the venue. Um, so yeah, I think that helps. Yeah, it's kind of, it's hard with, with powerlifting, you know, outside of IPF, world championships tend to be very local. Um, yeah, I was, so I was talking to Lee about this, or there was a, a few of us, Lee Marshall at um, GPC Nationals. Yeah. And one of the things he was saying is that, um, because you know they've got such a big the GPC as a as a federation has such a big contingent from like Eastern Europe and that area that are traditionally not as well off as places like Australia mm. they try and make it closer to that zone just so it is a bit more accessible for those people yeah um, which is totally reasonable and I completely understand that and the nature of it being in Australia is it's a fucking trek to get here yeah. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be able to take that opportunity, man. I'm excited to coach at a Worlds. Yeah. I didn't really get to coach at GPA Worlds. I got to wrap Nathan's knees without them exploding, which was fun. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good week. I'm enjoying it. I'm excited for it. It's yeah. It's going to be fun. I've been to a lot of uh, a lot of Worlds in Europe and, you know, there'll be lots of countries and then you realize, well, the countries that are, that are coming are represented by a, a smaller landmass than than USA or Australia. Uh, so it doesn't doesn't feel as much of a, of, of a world's when the only countries are the ones that are sort of in the local area. And then when you go to USA worlds, it's mostly Americans. Like the one mm. we went to, I don't even know what other countries were there. I know there was like Argentina, maybe a couple of Canadians and then us, uh, but that was about yeah. it. So it's, it's tricky running these uh, competitions in places that are difficult to get to, expensive and um anyone who's looked at traveling right now it is a nightmare not in terms of the mechanics of it but everything everywhere is so expensive because everything's opened back up so the the term the tourism industry the airlines are are just charging absolutely through the roof um but yeah i wish i was an american coming to australia because our dollar is about half the strength (laughs) yeah Uh, so for us everything was so expensive and for them everything's gonna be so cheap yeah yeah exactly the the joys of international travel and i think that's it's one of the unfortunate elements of powerlifting like i really like that powerlifting has multiple options i don't think it needs maybe as many options as it has Mm. um but having you know a stream for tested and a stream for untested and those sort of things i think is very valuable and offers powerlifting a very unique position in sport across the world right mm-hmm. there are there aren't many sports like you know powerlifting boxing and, and sort of fight sports i don't know of many others like golf i guess these days uh, but beyond that most of them have a single unified governing body which you know has its very much has its advantages but also has a series of disadvantages um but i think the problem with how diluted powerlifting has become is that that world's thing is harder for it to be a true world so mm-hmm. you know, like I still think probably the only real worlds into in powerlifting has got to be the IPF worlds because it's the one that is primarily driven by yep. a lot of big countries who are bringing big competitive teams as opposed to a combination of local countries bringing small teams because it's just where it is, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think the thing that comes with that as well is that anything that has water attached to it, um, like if I think of Australia, New Zealand, probably America, probably most of the Western countries that are invested in the Olympics, even though you know it's not an IOC sport or whatever, but having water attached to it, which is then attached to IOC, tends to attract government-based funding. Uh, so mm. in, in Australia, for example, all the drug testing was subsidized. There were grants for the, the IPF back in the PA days. There was ways to get money from the government, which could then be used uh, to sponsor lifters to come uh, to, to the world championships. Granted, Australia probably never did that, but... <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, no, the, Australia definitely did help out lifters getting, getting international. Uh, there was yeah, a lot yeah. of bad that happened, for sure, in terms of, you know, locking, Allegedly. locking people into... Um, paying for things that they weren't particularly happy about paying with removing options that kind of things but i've also heard stories of people getting you know tickets paid for completely and and being shuttled around to represent australia but anyway besides the point this isn't a salty podcast for once um that makes it hard too. like the the dilution of it removes Mm. opportunities for commercial sponsorship and it's one thing that we are really invested on trying to change uh in apl over the next year so um, next year we're running nationals in Brisbane in a big auditorium with like um, stadium seating and the venue is yes. going to be unbelievable and we're, we're, we've got another event in the works that I'm hoping to make even bigger and better and in the process start to garner some of the connections that we have to, to make commercial sp- sponsorship for this stuff a little bit more viable because so the more money we can bring to it the more we can support the lifter because um, yeah. you know, even though the, the final says in APL are not my call uh, I'm working with Daniel and I really want to um, provide lifters with opportunities to go and represent Australia, to pay for their flights, yeah. to go to, to, to world championships and, and put up what they can put up. Um, so I think uh, the more we can invest back into the lifters, the better for the sport. And the more we can attract commercial sponsorship, the better we can do that. Yeah. And one, I think one of the sort of double-edged swords of that, the fact that we compete in this, or, you know, are involved in this sport that for 99.99% of the people is a hobby and something they do for fun, it makes that commitment going to a world's much more daunting when it's like, Mm. oh, this is, you know, I have to give up two weeks of my job in order to take leave and go and do those. And so being in a position where the, uh, the Fed, regardless of which Fed it is, can support lifters in a way that makes that a more viable thing, I think is really cool. Yeah, it's just figuring out ways to incentivize it because if you have the, if you're a lifter and you have the option to fly all the way to the states spend 10 grand between flights accommodation food the fucked exchange rate all of that if you have if, if you have the opportunity to do that and essentially get the same opportunity to do, to do it in australia in terms of go to a nationals you get all the same stuff you can break world records mm-hmm. you get the same plastic trophy you get the same you know custom medal which is nice but is it really justified uh is it really justified to spend 10 grand to go collect that yeah, in another yeah. country you know if we can if we can make things more viable and more attractive for people to uh if we can incentivize that sort of travel and, and incentivize the sport to bring more people to it um anyway the the whole point of this conversation i guess is for the for the people listening it's important to understand that powerlifting is uh hang on i gotta pause um oh i was i was saying it's important you for us to have this conversation, about. even though it might seem a little bit boring to the listener, because it, people need to understand, like, if I ask you, when you started running powerlifting competitions, was there a manual on how to build powerlifting? 
you know did you get a did you get a guideline of how <laughs> to make powerlifting <laughs> no, happen in Canada? absolutely no, you just not figured it the fuck out and you've done an amazing job and so when people yeah. see powerlifting federations growing getting bigger what we have to understand is that very few people at the top running these competitions and growing powerlifting have ever had any sort of formal training and project management and managing people and managing an organization and building a formal organization which is why you, you it, which is why there is an element of okay well feels a little bit less professional than than everything else like most meat directors get very little in terms of training and resources and it's another thing that i really want to uh, change in apl is to give far more thorough training to referees to meet directors far more resources to make sure that there is a, a consistent standard across the board and don't get me wrong there are some feds that are that are breaking away from the bunch and doing this really well but it's something that we all need to be doing if we're going to continue to grow powerlifting in the direction we want yeah man and interestingly i think that that sort of coaching training element has been around in some form for referees for a long time but it hasn't ever existed to my yeah. knowledge in meat directors you know like it, it's one of those things that you know i think i'm pretty good at running powerlifting meets these days i i think there are probably not many people in australia who've run as many meets as i have over the last eight years or whatever it is uh and it's one of those things that i early on mm. had fucking no idea what i was doing like absolutely zero idea what I was doing. I knew a lot about what I didn't want to do because mm -hmm. I'd been to a lot of shit meets by that point. Beyond that, it was all just figuring out as we go and and realizing as we're going through this process, you know, this is the big hole in that meet. Okay, this is how we're going to fix it. I'm constantly working to upgrade what we're doing. I bought a new TV to run the live stream in our warm up room for our next meet i you know i distinctly remember last year working out that i could get people to submit mm -hmm. openers and pin heights in a google form and just streamline the whole process i was fucking furious at myself for like three hours all these people came in to weigh in and i was just in a mood because i was pissed <laughs> off at how easy it was and how i should have figured that out three years ago you know like it's one of those things that i look back on it now i'm like what the fuck were you doing you idiot like doing it on paper taking it well forever. I was, now i've got a qr code i was about to say i came to that Google comp and i'm and standing around and no one staff wise is doing much you know lifters are just going up to the to the wall or to you had a few of them around scanning this thing and i'm like this is amazing this is so easy and but because no one else does yeah, it, it we just go to comps phenomenal. and we're just like this is how it's done uh and so it takes people like you to be like, okay, yeah. how can we make this more efficient? You're like, you're always hungry to make your comps better because they're a big part of your bread and butter. And if you can make them better, then you can grow powerlifting, you can grow your gym, yep. you can grow your brand, everything gets better. Um, and there's there's not many yeah, people man. out there that are, lots of people are just happy to run a comp and tick, tick the box. Um, but if we can all just yes. keep thinking about, okay, how can we make the lifter experience better? And you make the lifter experience better by making it more efficient, which makes your life so much easier as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think interestingly in that scenario, a big part of it is uh, the motivation behind it. And it, this will potentially come across as sounding a little bit slimy, but 
powerlifting is a business in my head. Like I run mm. my powerlifting meets as a product that are a product that my business sells that contribute yeah. significantly to our annual income. More so the novice comps than our sanctioned comps, but that's always been the case. We've always got more people at our novice comps, which is by design. I expect to get and want to get more people at novice comps because novice comps are about everyone. And then the sanctioned powerlifting end of things is about mm -hmm. people who take powerlifting a little bit more seriously. The nature of the beast is to build a federation or build a group of federations. You need a funnel through which lifters can figure mm -hmm. out whether they want to join federations or not. And that's what we've done with our novice comps. And so for me, it you know I, the joke I like is I'm actually just really fucking lazy and I want to do the least amount of work possible and make it as smooth as possible so that it makes my life easier. So instead of getting here at 6 a.m. to run a 50-person comp, I can, you know, like the day you and Mike were here and set our whole gym up for a comp in 30 minutes at like a dawdling Sunday morning pace, you know? Uh, and it's one of those things that I think often the people running meets are doing them as a secondary to their coaching business. <laughs> um, Buddy's barking in the background, which is hilarious because Huxley, my dog, is asleep on the couch behind me, just happily chilling. Uh, and if you could hear Buddy barking, I'm sure it would be worse. But yeah, I think uh, for a long time, the the desire to run meets has been a secondary thought to it being a product and a business. You know, I think the Ruchis do it the best in the country. They have the best powerlifting experience in terms of a product than I think anyone in the country has or can have because they've spent so long in that process uh, developing it as part of their core product. Their whole gym is set up around it, much like my gym is set up in a way that facilitates ease of transition from comp day to regular experience and things like that. And I think the more we get meet directors who own gyms and who are doing this as a product rather than because they've got a group of powerlifters who just want to compete in their gym, mm -hmm. the better the yeah, whole sport I mean, like, is going to get. Uh, I don't think we have to defend the fact that competitions are part of the business. I mean, money's what makes what makes the world go round. If, if you're a lifter that wants better powerlifting, yeah, yeah, exactly. you have to pay for it. Like you need to pay an entry fee that will yes. steadily grow so we can deck our gyms out with better equipment so you can have a better comp experience. You want all the same equipment on the platform that's in the warm-up yeah, room? Guess what? That shit costs a lot of money. Um, you want? Yeah, think how fucking spoiled powerlifters are these days. It's crazy and continually makes me giggle because I remember the first nationals I went to where there was one monolift and some squat stands in the warm-up rooms. The, mo the, the monolift was on the platform and we didn't get access to it for warm-ups. It, you know, there weren't calibrated plates except for on the platform, like all of these things that are like at, you know, this world's meet where you're going to have what four Alico racks and several tons of Alico bar, uh, bars and plates and everything will be exact copies of what's on the platform. That's the norm at most national level meets now. Fuck 10 years ago, that was like, oh my God, we've walked into powerlifting heaven. Uh, and I think all of that comes from people like you guys at Zero, like the Ruchis, like me, and a bunch of other really good uh, and and like-minded people trying to make this into a, a living that they can continue to grow uh, in terms of the sport and the way they, they operate. Technical difficulties, folks. Here we are with some technical difficulties. I'm blaming the weather. 
<laughs> okay. Sure. Surely the rain interferes with the signals. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know enough about weather or signals to comment effectively on that. We definitely can record while I'm up here, uh, while you're up here, because uh, I'll be coming to the gym to train after after the comp each day. Anyway, um, I can hear you back. I I literally heard pretty much nothing from whatever the last uh, whatever the last big sentence you started talking about was. But I'll assume Excellent. it was well, amazingly insightful and uh, brilliant as always. Likely, I, I was talking about the uh, you know the sport being pushed forward by people who are like-minded and trying to grow the sport because not just they love it but because they love it and it's what they do for a living which i think is a is a big one and interestingly i've had this discussion with some people around like uh strongman as a sport in the act uh the group that runs strongman in canberra capital strongman incorporated are not affiliated with a gym they are a group of volunteers who run this incorporated business themselves and it's a not-for-profit thing that then has the ability to go and run comps at different gyms and all that sort of stuff but one of the biggest things they struggle with is not having a community of people to call upon in the same way uh you know when you think about like i'm quite happy talking about the fact that in canberra no one can compete with us in terms of the quality and size of a powerlifting comp Mm -hmm. not just because of the facility and equipment we have but because of the community of people that i've built who've been doing this for years Mm -hmm. you know like our core group of judges and volunteers have been around this sport for years you know Mm -hmm. my girlfriend has never lifted in a powerlifting competition never will but has probably watched more powerlifting than most powerlifters who've been in the sport for the last couple of years um (laughs) because that's the way we've done this is built this community of people that extend beyond the four walls of the gym and and help have helped me create this fantastic product that's facilitated thousands and thousands of people to get into the sport in a way that they never would have had an opportunity to otherwise Uh, yeah and i think the more well, the more oh, people we have like that, the better it's going to be. For sure. I was going to say that one of my favorite stories that you've told a million times on here is when you got really sick and uh, they had to run the run the comp for you yeah. that day and it was just flawless. Yeah, um, yeah. Like that's, it's, um, that's, that's the proof in the pudding right there. Yeah, man. I, I was actually just describing this to someone the other day talking about like Adam meat. I was like, man, you'll like come and watch this 65 person novice comp we've got on, you know, in December. And you'll see me stand in like a three square meter spot basically all day. And it'll look like I'm doing nothing other than talking a bit of shit and occasionally talking to a lifter. Mm-hmm. But actually what it is, is like, that's, that's a culmination of years of doing every job in the room. And in most cases, doing every job in the room at a level that is at least as good as the best person in the room, if not the best person in the room. But, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fucking hard. Like having developed all of those skills and being in a position to manage all of that is hard work. Mm. Uh, it just, from an external standpoint, doesn't look like it. You know, we yeah. have this now from from a third person view. We have this very smooth and polished product that is the culmination of like lots and lots of fucking terrible mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, the first comp I ever run where I forgot to ask people to stay around and help us rearrange the gym and so my girlfriend and my youngest brother who doesn't lift weights at all spent like four and a half hours reconstructing (laughs) the gym so we could function again the next day nowadays we set it up and by the time i'm ready to do presentations the gym is back to normal and ready to run like yeah it needs a bit of a tidy and a vacuum yeah but beyond that the gym is functional again within 15 or 20 minutes yeah uh, and that is again the culmination of like lots and lots of deliberate uh, 
decisions about how can we make this process better and how can we improve the product so that the lifters have a better time. Hmm. It's 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 like that, you know, that locksmith analogy of the same yes. locksmith coming back 20 years later and fixing the same thing in 10 minutes rather than an hour kind of thing, you know. Yeah, so yeah. You, I heard you, a variation of that talking about um like a ship's mechanic. Yeah, fixing and, a sh- knowing where to tap the hammer. Yeah, knowing where to hit with the hammer was like $10,000. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, 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 I love that stuff. Um Anyway, you guys get the picture. We love powerlifting. We're invested in growing it. We're always curious to hear your thoughts, your feedback. Like a lot of people have thoughts on how things can be better, but never speak up, you know, or, mm. or if they do, and it's in a very unproductive way of like, I'm judging this powerlifting comp. If you've actually got insightful feedback on how you think powerlifting could be better, let people like us know, because we actually listen yeah. and take it on board. And if we genuinely think it will work, we'll do it. Um, because a lot of people that come up with feedback is not, um it's not necessarily uh poor advice or poor suggestions but if you've never run a comp you may not understand the mechanics of it and that suggestion just might not work you know Mm. we we can confidently say that over the last 10 years we've probably tried most things we've probably tried to make most things work in a competition scenario so um we have a good handle on what will or won't work and if anything's truly insightful that comes up always happy to take it on board just little things for sure um, the biggest thing we walked away from uh, from Worlds was a change in the platforms in the warm-up rooms. Like in the warm-up rooms for Nationals, we had squat and bench press platform and then a deadlift platform. And then we were like, we watched at their Worlds and we're like, let's do this all in one, just make a bigger platform. It sounds really dumb, really easy to overlook, yeah, yeah. but because we've done things a certain way for a long time, yeah, yeah, exactly. you become blind to... To what could be done and so yep. just seeing things like that or hearing things uh can, can really help move things along and also sometimes i think i'm certainly been guilty of uh just forgetting that like things i would assume are common knowledge about the process are not that common for new lifters like i try mm-hmm. really hard to help everyone understand how it works and you know that's why i've got a video series talking about how comps run and what to expect and what the rules are and all of that stuff that gets sent to every lifter who signs up for one of our comps because i've had so many discussions over the years where i'm like oh you didn't know you had to wear a soft suit at a sanctioned comp it's like (laughs) well that's like that's not necessarily on you because it would be really easy as a a meet director who thinks they know everything to be like well you should fucking know that you don't know the rules fuck that's awkward (laughs) didn't realize my phone was on loud um didn't even hear but then uh yeah in in that instance it's also my fault because i didn't make it incredibly clear that that's how it works Mm -hmm. right and you know the more idiot proof you can make this process from a meat director standpoint the better but sometimes i just overlook things because i have known that for 15 years i've been like i've been in powerlifting since 2010 and so there are just things that i don't think about because it's just i assume that's the case you know Whereas new lifters or people who are coming to the sport from other sports might have a different point of view, might have a different way of thinking about things so that, yeah, when you provide those opinions, good meat directors listen and change their habits because of it. Mm -hmm. It's one thing that I've uh, I've stolen from you uh, that we're going to implement in APL moving forward is instead of doing a lifters briefing, having a a pre-recorded video that'll make the briefing so much quicker where you can just basically plug it into your gym, send it out to all your lifters for weeks before the competition. And then on the day, if you need to give specific instruction as to talc areas here, chalk areas here, don't do this. But 
like taking all that stuff that we do at every single competition, automating it, making it so much easier, making it more convenient for the lifter to watch when they choose to watch and for watch to be able to listen again and again and again to the things that are really pertinent to them just makes everyone's life so much easier. It is worth pointing out. Lots of people won't watch it. Oh yes, I'm very well aware <laughs> of that. Because like I, I still at novice comps basically do a full lifters briefing because I assume no one watches those videos. No, no, very, very well. <laughs> uh, aware. And lots of people do because I get lots of good feedback on them and lots of like insightful questions that show they've paid attention. But at the same time, lots of people just won't watch it. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Excellent. Good. I'm glad. All right. Well we're back that's another episode see you again in a month <laughs> might not be the best one but you know that's the life yeah that's internet all Sam right love you bye goodbye <laughs>